Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And this is part two with Eric Johnson. Eric has a new book coming out in September called Introducing Christianity to Mormons. Did I get it right, Eric? You got it. Okay, perfect. And so um, in our last episode, we just talked about kind of where the book came from, where the ideas, so some back, some of Eric's um, background. So get all that in the previous episode. In this episode, uh, we're looking at the next section of Eric's book, which talks about discussing the existence of God, why we can believe he's real, what the evidences are, um, which you would say, well, why do you need to talk about that with Mormons? Because, you know, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, which is true. And yet, as Eric told us in the first program, at least, well, the range, depending on the surveys, anywhere from 40 to 60% of LDS people who end up leaving the Mormon church end up going toward agnosticism or atheism or what are considered non-Christian religions, like maybe Buddhism or Hinduism or something like that. So a huge percentage totally walk away from a Judeo-Christian or biblical concept of God. And so- I think. But look at it this way, right? The God that they have, they've decided is not worth following. And they've been told all their lives that that's the same God that the Christians have, but it's not true. And so, Eric, welcome back. Thanks for having me on the show. And I know one of, I mean, for me, one of the coolest parts of your book are the stories. In fact, you start out with a story and I'm not going to have you go to this one um, because that's for the first episode, but your first like major witness encounter with Mormons and just how badly it went. Um, So each of your chapters, you, you share a story because you've got decades of experience of sharing your Mm -hmm. faith, just talking to LDS people and many others from different religions. So I, what I'd like to have you do to kind of kick off this episode on this section on the Bible is share a little bit about, you know, one of those encounters, maybe the one from a book or a different one where you learned how to start talking about God and why the, why it's important to talk about the God of the Bible with Mormon people. Well, and you're bringing up a great case that, uh, why, why did I put this chapter in there for the very reason that so many who end up uh, leaving Mormonism, basically lose all faith. Uh, uh, we're talking uh, 45% of all people, according to Jana Reese, who's a Mormon blogger who did yes. surveys a few years ago in the book called The Next Mormons, 45% go to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all. Those are high percentages. So I decided yeah. right away after I talked about the Bible, I wanted to get into the existence of God. Uh, in the story that you mentioned, um, this chapter, I'm talking to a guy named Mike who had come into the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore, which is run by our our, uh, our friend Sandra Tanner. And in that uh, bookstore, we get, I'm going to say two out of three people who come in are not Christian. 
I mean, just bottom line, many of them come from a Mormon background or are Mormon. Uh, only one out of three is actually a Christian coming in. So when they come in, I'm kind of expecting they're probably going to have just left maybe a year ago, six months ago. I had just a few weeks ago, I had a lady who had just left the previous month. And, wow. uh, and so just so I, I always like to ask lots of questions. And so this guy, I said, if you don't mind me asking, what do you currently believe about God? He says, oh, I'm an atheist now. And so what I do, what I like to do when they say they're an atheist, I like to say, oh, so you know for sure that there is no God. Well, you know, I'm, I can't prove it. I've, it's been a short time since I've been a, uh, an atheist, but yeah, I'm pretty much, I think. I said, so uh, what evidence do you have? Well, and they really haven't thought it through. So in just a few minutes, I'll, I'll uh, get them to admit that they just don't have enough knowledge. So they're not sure if there's a God, but they're pretty sure there's not. I said, okay, well, then you're not definitely sure. Then that's not an atheist. You're an agnostic. Well, what's that? Well, Gnosis is knowledge, A is without. You just don't have knowledge. And a, a true agnostic, if he were to have the evidence, then he would be willing to accept. Oh, yeah, that's me. Okay. So what I did is I got <laughs> him to leave atheism, take it one step over to agnosticism, which is one step closer to theism, a belief in a God, which is one step closer to Christianity. And I was just thinking about it as you were talking, Joel. It's been almost 40 years. I think I talked to my first Latter-day Saint maybe in 1982. So wow. 40 years I've been uh, now, not as much in the first few years, but then starting in 84, 85. And then I went to Utah in 1987 and spent an entire summer here. And I got inundated with talking to Latter-day Saints and fell in love with the Mormon people. And they are a people. They're a people mm -hmm. group. Yes. Just like you would go to Papua New Guinea and you would talk to the Siawis or whichever tribe you would go to. And so, so, so I fell in love with them, even though I've never been a Latter-day Saint. I believe that I, along with my friend Bill McKeever, along with Aaron Shafawalaf, along with Sharon Lindblom, all the people who make up MRM, never have been LDS, but we have a compassion and a love for Latter-day Saint people. Yeah. And just so people know, um, Mike isn't his real name. You make sure and, um, and protect the identities of the people that you're referring to. Um, because you never know who's going to read it or who they are. So right. just so people know, that's just a, a way of being respectful and kind and watching out, even for the people you've talked to that provide some of these illustrations. So, yeah. Oh, existence of God. Yeah. yeah. So what, what are the things that you have found are important for a Christian to know about how LDS people envision and think about God? Well, I think um, you can't prove God. I mean, th th that's something that I, I actually still teach what's called a seminary class. Uh, the, in Utah, we have uh, a seminary classes for high school students who are Latter-day Saints. And so about seven years ago, my friend and I uh, at, a, at a school across the street, he has a church and my daughters went to this high school. And so I, we've talked about these kinds of issues and, and, uh, and I want them to understand, I can't prove the Bible is true beyond a shadow of a doubt, hundred percent, but the evidence is there. I can't prove that God exists, but the yeah. evidence is there. And what we do with our students, with our high school students is we want them to have confidence that it seems to make more sense that there is a God than there, there's not a God. But when it comes to the idea of who God is, I think there's enough evidence for us to um, uh, 
Inference to the best explanation is the title of it. Uh, inference to the best explanation is where you're going to go with the information and the evidence that you have, because God wants us to be thinking people. Come, let us reason together, God says. He says that we're supposed to test everything, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. 1 John 4.1 says we're supposed to test the spirits to see if they are from God, mm. because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the Bible's over and over telling us to use our minds. And so while I'm not going to use the Bible in chapter three, because that's not going to do any good to an atheist for me to say, well, it says in Psalm 14, one, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's not going to do him any good. <laughs> but I can say, have you ever yeah. considered blank? Have you ever considered the design of the universe? It's called the anthropic principle. I talk about it in the book. The, the way that our universe was created to be able to have life, it was so infinitesimally small of a chance that this could have come by random chance. And uh, I do believe, by the way, there is a Big Bang, uh, because where, uh, where you have a Big Bang, there has to be a Big Banger. And I believe God is that <laughs> Big Banger. I believe that God created, I think it must have been an incredible explosion when he made the heavens and the earth. Can you imagine the noise that would have taken place? But I believe there was design behind that. And that would be one of the points I think we can go with and that I describe in the book. Uh, it's called the cosmological argument. The cosmological argument, the design of this universe, it's more specifically called a teleological argument that we can yes. take a look at all of the things that don't seem that it could have come together by random uh, events, but it had to have been something that was planned. And, uh, and so that gets us into a topic when I'm talking to a person who calls himself an atheist, like a guy like Mike, uh, I say, have you ever considered uh, the idea that our, our universe has exactly the right kind of oxygen? Uh, if it was 15%, fires uh, would, uh, would come out of nowhere. 25%, uh, uh, it'd be too much. But we have 21% of our universe is the atmosphere is made of oxygen, which is perfect amount. We're perfectly aligned from the uh, the sun. If we were any closer, we'd have heat problems. If we're any further away, we would have uh, uh, we would get too cold. A you, perpetual ice a, age. Yeah, you, you take a look at you know this universe is huge, and they have looked for life. Have you noticed they haven't been able to find life anywhere else really, except for this this place? So this is a very special planet we live on and we're able to uh to uh to live and the design of this universe i think is a great start to being able to show that there must be something rather than nothing now have you found and i don't know if you deal with this in the book but have you just found as you've interacted with lds people that the lds faith concept of god as this um exalted man so I've often talked when I've talked to LDS friends and they've said, well, what, what, what do you have against, you know, the Mormon God? Why what do you have? And my answer is almost always, well, it's like, he's too small and too weak. He's, he's a lot more like the Greek and Roman pagan deities that were simply like these Superman on steroids. And so there's nothing really transcendently different from God, he's just like us only biggie sized. Um, and yeah. so what, what kind of God that to me, isn't a God that's just like a bigger guy. So do, do you, I mean, does that contribute to the Mormons then move toward atheism? Because once this God is exposed 
for kind of the whimsical demanding, you know, wants all this performance from people, um, needs you to do certain ceremonies to even be able to get into his heaven. Punitive. Just punitive. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to punish mm-hmm. you if you don't, if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Um, do you find that contributing to then they're like, okay, I really see the LDS God for who he is. I'm not buying into that. And if that's the only God available to me, forget it. Um, I'd rather not have a God than be beholden to this one. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right on that, Joel. I, here's the problem that I find when I'm talking to Latter-day Saints. J.B. Phillips wrote a book. It's an old classic. Maybe you've read it before. Your, uh, your God is not big enough. I think it's the title of the book. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I like that title because in Mormonism, the God is not big enough. Uh, Elohim, Heavenly Father, whatever you call him, was just a a glorified, exalted man who lived in a previous world. Uh, Somebody said nearest to Star Kolob. Where that is, we don't know. But that God had a God. And that the way that God became God is he had to have died. Well, how do you die except you're a sinner. My friend Aaron Shafawalaf has done interviews on Salt Lake City Streets, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and he asked the question, uh, was your God ever a sinner? And they think about it, and they go, well, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. 80%, 70 to 80% of mm-hmm. Latter-day Saints interviewed will say, yeah, I don't have a problem with God being a sinner. Are you serious? A God who's all holy, a God who has been God from everlasting to everlasting. Even the Book of Mormon agrees God has been forever in Moroni 8.18. And yet you're telling me that he died and that he worshiped a father. So that would be our grandfather God. And then what about his God? Because God's God must have had a God and an infinite regress all the way back to, you know, infinite matter. I mean, it makes no logical sense uh, um, as far as that goes, because a lot of Latter-day Saints, they like to put God in a box. They like to be able to say, here's God and here's how he is. And going to your question, I think that's how many Latter-day Saints have it all figured out. If If that blew up, then God must not exist. And so I think it's a natural, yeah, okay. it's a natural uh, transition to leave Mormonism, to be bitter, burn me once, shame on me, burn me, or how's it go? Burn me once, shame on fool you. Me. Or, fool me, fool me once. Fool, yeah, there, there you go. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because I don't want to get caught in uh in some kind of a cult again. I don't want to. I don't want to give 10% of my income to a group that tells me I, what I can and can't do. I can't drink coffee. I can't. I can't have fun on Sunday. Whatever the you know the rules and the regulations, they don't want any of it. And the taste of freedom. We've seen that in 2020 with COVID because the churches all shut down. The LDS churches. Some Christian churches did too. But we have found, as we drive here through Utah, we know better here in Utah than you might know in your homes, but the parking lots are still only about half to maybe 60% full. There's a lot of parking spots. People are not going back to church. You're saying among the Mormon wards. Among the Mormon wards here in Utah. We are not seeing people. I've talked to a lot of Latter-day Saints who said, you know, I enjoy having Sundays off. Why should I go? And uh, it's actually and a day of rest instead of doing two to three hours with the meetings. <laughs> there you go. And so, uh, so I think it's a natural transition once you taste that freedom. To well, I don't want to be beholden to any god. That I, I like doing my own thing. And unfortunately, 
just because you left this religion, and yes, it is not true. I'm glad that you understand that, but that doesn't mean that you have a get out of jail ticket free. You're going to face the creator someday, and he's going to ask, what did you do with me? And they're going to maybe say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good things I did. I don't know what they're going to reply, but uh, he's going to say, I never knew you. And I tell Latter-day Saints, I love you too much not to tell you the truth. And that's the purpose of this book, to teach Christians how to be able to share Christianity to people who desperately need the gospel. They desperately need to understand what the truth is about God's word, about about who he is as God, the Trinity, all of these things. If they're true, then the Christian life is full of freedom and abundance in a way you'll never imagine. Jesus says in John 10.10, I came to give them life and give it to them in the full. Yeah. I think I think uh, all your all your times of doing nothing on Sundays and goofing around or whatever else, if you have the chance to worship the Savior of the world, the, the God of the, the, that produced this world, then I would think that's a much better use of your time because this life is a mist and you're going to face a judgment someday. And yeah. uh, it'll be a shame that you threw out, as I said earlier, the baby with the bathwater. Uh, just because Mormonism is not true doesn't mean that there's something else that is not true. And that statement we said in the last show, Lynn, if the if the LDS church is not true, then nothing else is. That's not that's a misnomer there, because uh, if Mormonism isn't true, something has to be true, even if it's atheism, something has to be ultimately true. Yeah. So for the Latter-day Saints listening and for everyone listening, talk about some of the major differences between the Mormon God and the Christian God, just uh, nature wise. Yeah. What's the nature of this God that's supposed to be better? Yeah. And if you can weave into that, how does a Christian help make the true biblical God attractive to the LDS Mm -hmm. person? Oh, that's, those are great questions. And uh, on page 99 of the book, and I know people can't get the book, but uh, uh, what I did is exactly <laughs> what you said. I said, here's what Christianity teaches, and here's some Bible references. Here's what Mormonism teaches, and here are the references. So it's a big chart. For instance, the idea that in Christianity, God is one in essence, and he's the only God who exists. This is called monotheism. Mono means one, theism means belief in God. And so I give references like the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hero of Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is Zachat, is one, uh, and, and other verses that go with it. But in Mormonism, they have three separate gods, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, who are one in will, purpose, and love. It's not monotheism, it's tritheism. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so a Latter-day Saint Oftentimes, when we get into this issue in another chapter, I do talk about the Trinity and they go, oh, you know, I I completely reject the Trinity. I completely reject the idea that God is one. Well, then I say, what do you think I believe about the Trinity? What do do you think I believe when I say God is one? Well, you believe that uh, it's like a three-headed God, because that's what Joseph Smith called called God, a three-headed God, a a monster. Uh, uh, The idea that, or or they, they think, believe that it that god the father is jesus is the holy spirit is that what we're teaching and i say no that's not what we're teaching at all they're three separate persons not three separate gods but three separate persons and the essence of god they're all each equal as far as god is exist is, is is in existence so we have uh, a, a difference that is huge if you're believing in a god 
and you're worshiping God the Father as Elohim, as Heavenly Father, but you're not worshiping Jesus in the same way, or you're not worshiping the Holy Spirit in the same way, then that is a heresy, and that's not who God really is. And so I want to be able to uh, help them understand what the Bible teaches, that God is spirit, that God is not, has, does not have a body of flesh and bone, as D&C section 130 verse 22 says. Uh, that's not true. That's not accurate. Uh, Jesus has a body, certainly. Jesus is fully God and fully man, but God the Father is spirit, and uh, verses to support that. Uh, the idea that God is omnipresent, uh, Mormonism, God's body is localized in space, and uh, that's not the God that I worship. Uh, the idea that God originated out of nothing, we call it ex nihilo creation. Uh, he spoke it into existence. He didn't do it out of pre-existing matter. He didn't need to because he was God. Mormonism's God was not strong enough to be able to create out of nothing, so he had to use previous material. Well, where did that material come from? If, if there's a past that's eternal, uh, and, and we have matter is eternal, then how did we ever come to today? There's a, an argument called the Kalam cosmological argument. The idea that was created by Muslims, by the way, not even Christians in the 13th century. The idea that everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. I mean, it makes perfect sense. A lot of people will say, well, who created God? I said, well, you didn't listen to the first premise very clearly. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. God did not begin to exist. Therefore, yeah. God did not need a cause. I think it's pretty straightforward, logical. And, uh, and so the idea that God is beyond this universe, he's transcendent, he's above our minds, but he's imminent. He's made himself personal. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God took so much care that he sent his very best. The son came to be able to atone for sins. And so we have a relationship with this God in a personal way that in Mormonism, you could not have. You, you cannot have a personal relationship. He's never fully happy, the, the Mormon God, until you've been perfectly obedient. And even in this last general conference, there were five different talks given, including by Oaks and by Nelson, the top two leaders of the church, basically saying, you have to keep all the commandments. And if, unless you're keeping all the commandments, you're not doing everything you're supposed to do. Well, that's accurate. According to the LDS standard works, LDS standard works very clearly say um, that uh, you have to keep uh, all the commandments, not just some of them. And every Latter-day Saint knows that. They know they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and they keep striving for something that is not possible. So Mormonism has lowered God tremendously yeah. and given you the idea that you're like him and you can become perfect, right? Yeah. Which, which is heresy because the christian god so far above us holy omnipresent omnipotent um omniscient knows all things right. can be all places at once um knows all things from the beginning right outside of time and space um much different nature of god than what you have in mormonism and so this god is worth getting to know and seeking after and finding out about well stated i mean the idea that he's it's worth getting to know him this is worth some investigation if you've left mormonism and you have settled for nothing at all I would say you need to do some research. You need to go read your Bible. You need to go just start with the book of John and see how much God loved us so much mm -hmm. that he sent his very best, as I mentioned. And then he died on the cross for our sins. 
read uh, read the book of Romans and see how it all kind of goes together. Uh, it, it's laid out. You won't find LDS doctrine in those books. Yeah, you only find biblical doctrine if you stick with the Bible. And there are many good books out there to help you direct you into what to believe. I'm hoping that introducing Christianity to Mormons is going to be one of those books. Somebody, a Latter-day Saint who's left, says, I like this uh, friend of my, my daughter's who said, I want to know what you believe. I'm hoping that she will pick up this book. I'm going to offer her the book, by the way, when it comes out. I'm hoping my daughter, I'm hoping that she can deliver that to her and say, this book was written because you asked that question. It took us a few years, but we got it to you. And if she's really sincere, I believe those who are sincere and really want to know God, God will make himself known to those people. Yeah. Mm. Well, it says, um, I'm going to guess in Hebrews, we'll put the right passage in the show notes that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. And those who come to him in faith looking are going to find Jesus's classic teaching. Yeah. Seek and you'll find knocking the door will be open. Um, that applies to knowing his father uh, through him. And that's what we want to encourage people. And yeah. it's time for the teaser for the next episode because we're already real, at time. Real quick, Hebrews, sure. that's Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, thank <laughs> you. You were right. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say the teaser now is Jesus because where do you go after the nature of God? We're going to have to speak a little bit about Jesus and the differences between the Jesuses. Having left Mormonism, my brain saw God the Father as a punitive man who was waiting for me to screw up, right? And so yeah. I saw Jesus more as my brother. And so often when folks leave Mormonism, I will start with them with Jesus because I think they see him as a kindlier place to go. And then learning uh, how okay. this new Jesus is different yeah. from the Jesus that they know in Mormonism. Thank you so much for being with us today, Eric. And uh, Joel, grace and peace. Thank you. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.